0: Hey everyone and welcome to episode 335 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey Megan. Hi Sarah. You ready to talk about Halloween? Oh boy am I ever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean moms in our community really love to talk about Halloween and what's so fun this year is we get to do a House Rules episode all about Halloween. So hopefully if you're listening this is not your first entree into the House Rules series but if it is, um house rules episodes are where we crowdsource from our very wise listener community about the little rules they use in their family to I don't know I like to think of it as kind of smoothing the bumps of everyday parenting challenges. Um a lot of times these house rules are grown and developed organically out of moms realizing that like oh turns out it's not fun to have my toddler eat 42 pieces of halloween candy and have to go to preschool the next day. So like we solve our own kind of challenges and we come up with house rules which really helps the kids I don't know, feel like they know what to expect. At least that's how my kids feel when they know what the house rule is. And as a mom, it also kind of gives you a shorthand for reminding your family, like, nope, this is the way we do things. So we love these episodes and we're super excited to do a Halloween themed one today.
1: Yeah. And I have to say that I think the holidays are like the perfect time to have house rules, even if they feel kind of arbitrary, because holidays by their very nature are so different Mm -hmm. and novel. But if you just like, give, and I'm someone who loves novelty and I love the different, but if, if I just truly gave in to like the novelty and then each family member's um, like interpretation of what that means, it would just be complete chaos.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> and another point about the holidays is a whole year has passed since the last time your kids went trick-or-treating or went to grandma's for Thanksgiving dinner. And because of the pandemic, even longer sometimes. So I also think for little kids, you get to have house rules because they are coming to this fresh. They're like, I don't, I don't remember how to choose a costume. A whole year is a long time when you're three or four.
1: Exactly. So for this episode, we asked our listener community on Facebook to share their house rules for all things Halloween. And like always, you all really came through. We had so much fun reading these comments. It was just such smart stuff. Um, A couple of you also commented that it's been a couple of years since Halloween looked kind of normal And our kids, again, Sarah, like you said, are a whole year older since the last time we did this, or maybe two years older since the last time we really did this. So we might all be a little bit rusty and just need some help. So I'm excited about this.
0: I am too. And we did have so much fun reading through your smart rules. One thing it brought up for me is how many of the challenges that come with Halloween with little kids that I have now outgrown, which is a little bittersweet, um, but as I enter like the teen phase, like officially I have a teenager and then I have a tween and a, you know, almost nine year old, I am having to come up with new house rules for Halloween. And just this year I pre-declared early, like it was like October 2nd. And I told my 13 year old, I said, you know, I know we're getting back out there and you're making a lot of new friends. I'm not comfortable with you making Halloween plans that are across town this year. I said, I know that's our future. And I'm not saying no forever but this year you can have a friend over. You can have appropriate amount of independence within our neighborhood, but I'm not driving. I didn't want to be out driving that night and I didn't want to be worrying about what she was up to. So I pre-declared a teenage house rule, like on the spot this year.
1: That kind of reminds me of the year that I told my kids, um, I am not comfortable with going to party city to get costumes (laughs) because they cost $55. (laughs) I'm not sure that that's exactly of verbiage I used, but I was definitely not comfortable with that price point. So it was like, you all are getting too big um, for me to like, you know, piece together your costume out of like the old dress up box. Yet at the same time, I'm not buying you something that puts, you know, that breaks the budget. So let's figure something out in the middle.
0: That's such a good point. And it reminds me that my teenager also bought her own costume this year because she gets an allowance. I delayed allowance for a long time. But man, it's nice when I remember like, oh, yeah, this is why you get an allowance. You get to buy your own costume. So, <laughs>
1: Look yeah. at you. You get the option <laughs> of buying your own costume. I love it. Well, before we jump into that, I just want to give a little sneak peek announcement of something we've been working on for a while. And that is the Mom Hour Small Business Boutique. Really excited about this. It's been a long time coming. And honestly, it was um, hiring some help <laughs> this year that allowed us to actually help get this off the ground. Our new team members are helping a lot. Thank you very much to Katie and Amanda. But I am really excited because for years we've had small businesses coming to us wanting to advertise on the show. And I'm talking like really small businesses, like, you know, like an Etsy shop or someone who's maybe hand making things. Mm -hmm. And so our regular advertising options haven't really been affordable. And they're just also not practical. Like if you're not doing a lot of volume or your advertising budget is just still smaller, this is a great option for those smaller businesses.
0: I love this. I'm so excited, Megan. And you've been working more in the details. So the way I understand it is listeners will be able to see almost like a collection of small businesses on our website, correct? And sort of check out and shop from almost like a virtual boutique of small businesses. And then here on the podcast, we will occasionally spotlight some of those businesses. Is that how it's going to work?
1: Yeah. And we'll also advertise the boutique as a whole. So Mm -hmm. people will hear about the boutique and then go get to check it out and they'll be shopping. I kind of think of it as like a virtual um, version of one of those markets that has like all these different vendors inside. I mean, that's kind of how I'm seeing it. And I think it allows everyone to kind of browse and, you know, just see like a variety of different small businesses. And it also just gives that entry point uh, for listeners who have businesses that they really want to get in front of our audience.
0: I love that. So then if you are a small business owner and you wanted to kind of purchase this placement in the boutique, you would be getting your placement on that page on our site. And then uh, you'd also be getting access to our audience because we're going to be talking up the boutique.
1: Absolutely. And so we're going to put up um, an application on our website for you to get your business um, considered for coverage. So you're just going to go to themomhour.com boutique to tell us about your small business. Uh, we will leave those applications open until the 28th. So get there you know, in the next week or so. Again, that's the slash boutique. And that's where you're going to tell us about your business and be considered for the Mom Hour Small Business Boutique. Yeah,
0: definitely check that out. And we'll be chatting about it on social as well. And we'll put a link in the show notes.
1: Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR.
0: Okay, we are back, and we're starting off with talking about rules, house rules that sort of help with the lead up to Halloween and really the kickoff to the fall and holiday season. So this has to do with timing of when you get out the decorations. Um, And really, I know in my house right now, this is very relevant because I do feel like I don't like to put Halloween decorations up before October 1st. I will let a few, I don't know, pumpkin-y things come out before then, but that's always been my personal policy. So let's talk about some rules about the timing of decorating and pumpkin carving.
1: Yeah. I love this one. So, um, this one's from Tasha. She says Halloween decorations come out the first week of October. That includes my seasonal tablecloths. She says my husband hates tablecloths because they always end up sliding around, but he has to deal with that at fall and Christmas. So I think that's fair, Tasha. That's very fair.
0: I think that's fair too. I will say if you miss the first week of October, like you get really busy, it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's like so soon. So I do think that first week or first weekend in October is, uh, that has worked well for us. Um, And another one from Stephanie, similar. She says decorating the house can happen after October 1st, but pumpkins aren't carved until a couple of days before Halloween. And then similar, Becca said pumpkins are carved the week of Halloween. Decorations start getting boxed up the next day. I love that. It's like, okay, November 1st, we're done. Goodbye, jack o (laughs) Lantern.
1: I love that. Yeah, um, Becca, that's a great tip. And I actually kind of made me think that you and I both, Sarah, sort of do this like hybrid Halloween slash fall decor thing, which gives you a lot of flexibility because then it's not like you're taking away all the fun. Right. And if you don't get around to putting anything back up for like a week or two or three or four, after you take Halloween down, you've still got like something fallish and festive up, which is what I like about In in our house, you almost don't really miss the Halloween stuff because there's a lot of other things going on.
0: Agreed. And I have, I look forward actually to taking the true spooky Halloween stuff down. And then just having that sort of more serene, like understated, uh, autumnal look for a few <laughs> weeks before, you know, before Thanksgiving. And that's a whole nother episode.
1: Absolutely. OK, so let's move on to the next like topic area. So we also asked for rules and got a ton about choosing Halloween costumes. So let's start with a couple rules about picking costumes and trying them on. Um, so Courtney said costumes are decided and cannot change by the last week of September. That's like kind of early. That's, that's pretty hardcore, Courtney. She says, once I start to buy things, there is no going back. And we had similar rules from Valerie, Lindsay, Halston, and Cammie. Um, though they all had different timing around that rule. And I think for, you know, a lot of moms, maybe that rule is like, You have up till October 20th. You have October 25th. You know, some might be like, hey, they all go on clearance on October 29th. So that's when you have until that day. But I like the idea that like you can't just like pick one and then change your mind and then change your mind and then change your mind.
0: Yeah. And I will say as kids get older, the natural consequence of costumes being either sold out or unavailable or mom no longer having time to like help make something. Um, I can now like, that's, that's kind of like on my kids. Like you, there's no deadline. You can wait as long as you want, but there will be, there are built-in consequences to waiting. That's harder if you're four or five and you're not like able to shop on your own or, you know, you don't have a sense for that. So.
1: Yeah. I'll also just quickly tease, like something that's coming for, um, parents of eventual teens is like, there will come a time when they just don't actually want to commit to trick-or-treating or dressing up. It's like, They kind of think they might want to, Mm -hmm. but they can't actually commit to the idea ahead of time to buy a costume. And so then you'll kind of wind up with these like day of you're sort of like rummaging through boxes, trying to find black things to pile other things on top of. So I'm pretty flexible about like running out and buying makeup at the last minute or like buying something like truly easy to find at the last minute. Um but that's more because teenagers are so weird and flaky yeah. about whether they want to do it at all or whether they feel self-conscious. Yeah, and they don't um, know what the so, plans yeah. are. Like for the teenagers right. it's all
0: about like yes. who are they hanging out with and what is the plan? You don't want to buy a costume if like it's not cool to wear costumes in this friend group or whatever, you know.
1: Right, 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 right. So I have actually gotten a little more flexible as my kids have gotten older but definitely when they were little I was more hardcore. Yeah, that makes sense. Um
0: well when it comes to trying on the costume because I have been here it arrives they're so excited. They want to put it on. So Katie and then also Tasha and Amanda all said they can try on their Halloween costume once before Halloween and then it goes away until the holiday. I think that's really smart when you have really little kids, because if, if you live in a house where there's a lot of dress up happening, you know, like I, I've i been there. Kids are constantly changing clothes. I can see the parts and pieces getting lost. I can see them getting bored of it and changing their mind. There's all kinds yes. of potential chaos that could result in that like costume integrating itself into your normal dress up bin. So I love that it's one special try on and then it goes away till Halloween. Love it.
1: Um, I love that too. And I'm just thinking in kind of a related rule that I had, but different um, was that they were actually allowed to have a different costume. If it, but I wasn't going to buy two full on costumes, but they were allowed to have a different one for trick or treat night and for the school parade Yes, for lots of different reasons. Sometimes because the school parade doesn't really lend itself to, like more elaborate makeup and stuff, depending Uh on how your school does it. And a lot of schools don't even do Halloween parties or anything like that anymore. But sometimes like what works on Halloween night when I have three hours to put their makeup on Mm -hmm. wouldn't work, you know, for like a half an hour in a school day. So they were allowed to wear a different costume on that day. But I I just wasn't going to prioritize the sort of throwaway costume quite as much. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. I think we were really
0: similar. I always said I will buy you one costume per year. Whether you wear it is up to you. Whether you wear two different costumes is up to you. Um, I will just buy one, one per year and then you do what you want on Halloween. I definitely have had kids wear a different thing to school than trick-or-treating multiple times. So that's a good point.
1: Yeah. Well, Rachel says um, her kids are allowed to wear their costumes as much as they want at home before and after Halloween. But if you break it, the child is the one finding a replacement with stuff we already own. I love that because mm-hmm. she says, son got his ninja costume early last week. And most of the weapons are already broken. Not my issue. So it's kind of like the flip of Katie's. It's like, she's not limiting what the kids can do with their costumes. It's just like who, who bears the ultimate responsibility of what happens to it?
0: Yep. I totally agree. I love that. And Anna says this in her family, you only get to buy a new costume every other year. Otherwise dig through the bin and find something. I'm a big fan a huge fan of like these arbitrary every other year rules in my house. Actually, that's backpacks and lunchboxes that my kids get new backpacks and lunchboxes every other year. And it's been that way since the beginning and they don't question it. So if you can pull that off, Anna, and those listening who still have time, why not? If you've got a, a robust dress up bin or your kids are creative in other ways, then they'd look forward to the on years and they would probably get really creative in the off years.
1: I actually had several years in a row where we only, like we almost solely shopped the bin because mm-hmm. with four boys, you know, right in a row, it had gotten so stuffed with the stuff that they would be wearing anyway, yeah. which was all just like basically like the black base that mm-hmm. goes with every ninja costume, yep. random caped person yeah. costume. So there was just all of that stuff was in there. One thing I, I did want to add really quick is I remember having a couple of times we shopped for costume pieces, and the kids really wanted like the elaborate weaponry that went with mm-hmm. it. And this is more as the boys got older. And so I did end up kind of against my better judgment purchasing one of those enormous swords. Like they're like bigger than the kid mm-hmm. and they're very, very heavy. And then that year, because Owen insisted that he wanted it for his costume, and that of course um, he didn't want to carry it. So <laughs> oh. anyway, it was a learning lesson for all of us because I made him carry it nice. the whole time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not carrying your trick-or-treat bag for you, so you're going to have to figure it out. But we all learned some lessons from that. I love it. Okay, so I love Liz, um, her tip because she sounds so grumpy, but like in the best way. So she says, for my preschool and elementary schooler, you may pick out your costume from the weather-appropriate and age-appropriate options I give at our nearby children's resale store, or you may use things we already have. I will not sew anything. I will not make anything. If you want something specific, then please feel free to dig through our costume and dress up bins. Signed, Liz, the the non-crafty mom who has no interest in (laughs) Halloween costumes. Liz, I think we've all been there. Even those of us who sometimes make costumes, Mm -hmm. you know, every now and then you're in a year where it's just like you're not having it.
0: Yeah, and it's a really good reminder that like... As a mom, you have some superpowers and you have some like phone it in or even grinchy areas and just remind yourself it all evens out in the wash. Like Liz is probably like a plus enthusiastic about some other really fun area of parenting. Liz, you're listening to this and we know that you are. It's just not Halloween and that's okay. So that's just permission for everybody else that you don't have to be as gung ho about Halloween costumes as the mom next door. You've got your thing, too. So I love that. Absolutely. This next set of rules is more focused on the actual costumes themselves. So Rebecca said costumes must be weather appropriate. No Tinkerbell if it's below 50 degrees. Megan, I don't even have much to say about this. Although I will say that Arizona and even Orange County in October, we have had uh, costumes that are too hot. But I I don't know. The kids just, they put up with it because they are really excited. And by the time it's dark, it cools off. But they've definitely been some sweaty little... uh, like leopards and wolves in the Halloween Day parade, but what about you and the weather appropriateness?
1: I mean, it is impossible to know in advance, really, because yeah. October, late October weather is such a crapshoot here. I would say, like, if I had to go back through over all of the years of my life at living in Michigan, I would say most of the time Halloween is like a pleasantly brisk day. Okay. You know, it's like a, it's like maybe it's like in the fifties, right? It's like nice. It's like when the sun's out, it's nice. Um, after the sun goes down, it's a little chilly, but you can get by with a couple layers. I have had years where it's essentially feels like summer. And I've had years where it's sideways sleet Mm -hmm. and like frigid winds. And the kids are wearing parkas over their costumes and like running from house to house. So we've had to be pretty flexible about that. But the kids do know that at any moment they may be required to put a hat or some gloves or like to figure out some fun way maybe their costume goes over a fleece. Uh, as they get older, sometimes they just like brave it and they just go out because they want their costume to be the thing that people see. But you know those costumes are made of like like one one ply level. It's like toilet paper they're made of essentially. And so it's not like there's there's you could layer seven of them and you're not going to get any protection from the weather. So that is definitely like wait till a day or two before the day and then try to make some yeah. calls about how to salvage if the costume doesn't work but we just kind of make it work. Totally. Yeah. Um so Lauren has a great tip that I think um I have actually seen from other families and I think this can be so smart especially if you have littler kids in the house who are a little bit timid. Um and that is that we only dress up as nice happy things in our house like no ghosts, no witches, nothing scary or evil. And I could so- totally see that being like a personal choice where if you've got some sensitive um, little souls in your house that, you know, are going to be freaked out by that, or you just don't want it in your house. That's fine. You're the decider. You get to decide.
0: You get to decide. And I also had the most timid first child, as you've heard about Allegra was afraid of everything. And we had some very traumatic early Halloweens where like all the yard decorations, the things popping out at you for years. And then I had my middle child who wanted to dress up as scary things. By that time, by the time Reed wanted to be scary, Allegra was like 9 or something. She was okay. Right. Um, but we had a few years of some pretty creepy looking costumes on Reed and that was okay with me, but again, you are the decider. Um and I had would probably have felt differently if I had a current like you know, a current kid who would be scared by that in my own house. Um but we didn't. So we've had some pretty nasty masks and other yeah. death like um costumes. <laughs> and then last year Reed was Harry Potter and this year he's like a a giant
1: penguin. So
0: he's like out of it now. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: doesn't mean anything like the wanting to dress up as something scary or gory. doesn't like, it. it's not like a reflection on your child's um, future career choices or anything like that. Um, And I actually, my mom really preferred um, scary costumes. Like that was her preference. She loved Halloween. And I actually don't think she, it wasn't a house rule, but I do remember her having really strong preferences to the point where like, if I really wanted something scary and gory, she would help me. And she was willing to buy costume pieces that she wouldn't be willing to buy if I wanted to be like a pretty princess or
0: something. That's so fascinating. I love that little memory from your, yeah, from your past. And you know, it brings up something else that I don't think we got a house rule about, but I have never been faced with any of my children wanting to be something that felt too adult or like somehow risque or revealing. Um, I know that can be a challenge. Um, It seems to happen more with girls, but anything that you felt was somehow inappropriate. I think there are some cultural appropriation costumes that kids still see in a catalog somewhere that you might think, oh, I don't feel comfortable with that. So I guess just a good reminder that you are the decider and you don't have to have a two hour sit down with your child about, you know, why this This costume or that one isn't appropriate. You can be pretty quick and simple, especially if they're little and often redirecting them to other ideas of like, Ooh, look at this one over here. How about this favorite character from your, you know, your favorite movie. So you're the decider and there's lots of reasons why a costume may not sit right with you and you, you, you get to be the decider.
1: Yeah. And you might feel that way about, um, weapons or you might be feel, feel personally triggered by like blood and gore. And that's all up to you. I'm actually thinking of a, that picture that I've shared with you a few times there, I think we actually have had it on the, um, on maybe on our Instagram, Mm -hmm. the one of my whole family dressed up when I was really little. And I was supposed to be a fancy rich lady, Uh but I really just look like a high-end prostitute. I mean, really, (laughs) when you look at the picture, (laughs) like now, like my mom didn't dress me on purpose as a woman of the night. Mm -hmm. It just, that's just how I look in my fur cape and my very, very bright lipstick. Anyway. We'll
0: have to reshare that one now.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, Mariah has a great one. I co signed this. She says, we don't spend money on costumes for kids who are too young to care. My oldest (laughs) is two and he will be a farmer wearing plaid and overalls from his closet. His baby brother will be wearing a onesie with a pumpkin that I drew on myself. Nice. No need to spend money on costumes when they don't know any better. So yes, Mariah, you have a long, a long, um, many years ahead of you of all of these Halloween house rules. So I agree. Give yourself a break with the ones who don't care. And also they don't like the three and under set does not care to be uncomfortable. They don't know why you're making them wear like a funny hat or like a weird suit. Um, I will say there were a couple of baby costumes that were passed down. And I think you had a puppy one. Maybe
1: we had a puppy and a chicken that we used on every single kid. Each kid was a chicken and a puppy.
0: (laughs) So if you get one early in your motherhood career, that is actually comfortable and cute then I would argue you might get multiple uses out of it, but only if it's comfortable and like the baby doesn't hate it. And yeah, agreed. If they don't care, you don't need to do anything special.
1: And the nice thing, the, actually the thing, I think they were both actually given to me. I don't believe I paid for either the chicken or the puppy, but the other thing that was nice about them is they were both really warm. So Mm -hmm. having a baby bundled up as a puffy chicken or a puffy puppy, Mm -hmm. the chicken was like a, when they were like a year ish old and the puppy was when they were like two ish Mm -hmm. years old, I believe. And My gosh, they were so cute in those. But like they were almost like a they were kind of like a fake. They weren't really a costume. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was essentially like a snuggly warm coat with some ears attached.
0: Yes. And Old Navy years ago. I mean, those with, I guess, like Allegra's age kids will remember Old Navy. Maybe they still do. But it was usually like 15 or 18 dollars, like pretty affordable. And it was fleece pants and basically like a fleece puffy jacket yep. with something like with something on the hood and something on the back. So we had a monkey one yep. of those um, and there were some really cute ones. So, yeah, I mean, do do what you want to do. But I agree, Mariah, if the kids aren't they're not fretting over these decisions. So nor should you.
1: Well, these last two rules are focused on um, taking photos of the costumes, which I mean, I think we all agree is part of the point for yeah. mom, right? It's like, our ber- The reason it's we our try right. so hard.
0: It's, it's like exactly. our, one of our um, little perks that comes with going through all of this.
1: Exactly. So Anna Lynn says you have to take a picture so grandparents can see your costume before you're allowed to go trick-or-treating. I mean, I think it's amazing how kids you you can do all this work for kids and they don't want to pose for a picture for two minutes. (laughs) I know. You're like, come on, man, seriously. And this is like taking that up the ante, Lori. She says, the kids can wear whatever costume they want for trick-or-treating, but they have to humor me by letting me make a family costume for photos. So They have to humor her by letting her do a bunch of work, which um, I hope that they do, Lori. But that's a great that is a great rule, because I think that's really fun for a lot of moms and a lot of families Mm -hmm. to have everyone dress up, you know, in a theme or whatever. But if the kids don't actually want to wear that for trick or treating, it can be kind of a bummer. So Lori is just like, I really just want evidence that this happened. Yes. But she doesn't really care if the kids wear it to go around the neighborhood trick-or-treating.
0: And I think in a lot of communities, there are multiple events. Like you might have a trick-or-treat at your church. There might be like a harvest festival, like two weeks before. I mean, I, I don't think you don't have to have multiple costumes or multiple events. If that sounds like an overwhelm and way too much fun that you don't enjoy, don't do it. But I think for a lot of our listeners, there are multiple opportunities to be in costumes. So it sounds like what Lori's figured out is like, It brings her joy to make and design the family group costume. By the time she gets to October 31st at 530 p.m., she's like, wear whatever you want. So I love that.
1: I'm just picturing the whole family sitting around eating dinner, like (laughs) in their costumes and then going out and getting their, you know, and getting their photo. And then it's like, okay, who's keeping it on? And some go change. Yeah, I love it.
0: Um, I have never we have never done a family costume ever.
1: Have you? I don't think. So I can't think of any off the top of my head. No, I don't typically
0: w- dress up anymore. I like a festive look for Halloween myself. So I, I have some like so I love to do the nails and maybe some different makeup or like a black, you know, like I, I, I enjoy that part of dressing up. But I would say it's more yeah. Halloween themed dressing than a costume for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: To grow into healthy adults. Okay, so we are now diving into by far, I think the harder part about Halloween or like the part where there just feels like there's a, there's a few more roadblocks, um, whatever the word is that you're looking for, uh, trick-or-treating and candy. Mm -hmm. There's just so many, like, as a good mom, should I do this? (laughs) Like, what should I allow my kids to do? As a lot of it's around independence and freedoms and like trust that they'll know when to stop shoving Kit Kats into their mouths mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so I feel like these are the rules that you might have a little trial and error before uh-huh. you identify the correct yeah. one, right? But let's start with the rules that we got for trick-or-treating itself. So the set, set of rules comes from Paige. She says one, trick-or-treating ends when the whining begins. I love it. <laughs> Some families Two, would
0: never leave the house. There no, was a certain year when Violet was like three and a half that I don't think we ever would have left.
1: <laughs> no, I know. And I have a picture of all the kids getting ready to go out and Clara is bawling yeah. and her face is like all scrunched up and but you know, I couldn't I couldn't not take them all because yeah. she was crying. So we went. But yeah, I love that. Um Number two, carry your own candy bucket. If it's too heavy, then it's time to go home. I definitely had that one with all of my kids. Me too. Um, Three, wear your blinking candy corn necklace so mom and dad can find you and you can find us. No exceptions. No, I do not care if it doesn't match your costume. Paige, that is genius because there was many years where I'm thinking like, it's dark. I can't really see my kid down the road. It's making me nervous. And something like a blinking necklace would have been so handy.
0: Here's the thing about enforcing rules like that. Um, The kids are going to get a ton of candy in like an hour and a half from when you're setting these actual trick-or-treating rules. So you have a lot of power as a parent Um, and they, they probably will comply because the incentive is too great. So don't be afraid of, you know, making those, making those rules, even if they feel on the stricter side, if it's safety
1: related or important to you.
0: Um, they're, their night's going to go just fine. They're about to eat candy. They're not going to so, be like,
1: you know what? Never mind. Right. Exactly. I don't even want, I don't even want candy. That's the, not going to happen. The
0: incentive is quite great. And you can use that to your advantage. Um, So our contributor Kia on our team and then listener Amanda had a similar rule, um, which is don't walk on the neighbor's lawns, walkways only people around here, take their grass very seriously. And I'm laughing, picturing like a get off my lawn type neighbor. Yes. Um, my old neighborhood was like classic. So this is down in Orange County, pretty classic suburbia, like houses packed in tight, very safe, wide streets, but um little front lawns like really close together. And I do remember like hollering to the kids like, don't jump in the flower beds because they get yep. so excited. And people are less patient when kids are like eight, nine, ten, eleven, you yeah. know, that bigger they're they're still little. They're still children, but they look awfully large, traipsing through right. lawns. So I hope um, I hope that works to tell your kids to stay off lawns. I'm I'm afraid that we probably trampled a few in our time. um. And then Rebecca also said, stay with your friends when trick or treating. Don't run ahead to the other houses if they're still walking down the lane. So we had a lot of this again in that neighborhood where we kind of had to divvy up parents and who was watching yeah. which group of kids. And yeah, it, it's a safety concern. It's a like a courtesy thing. Um, yeah, courtesy. Yeah. Well,
1: and I think of how many how many of like the rules that I had for my kids, some of which were very like spoken rules and some of which had to sort of, I don't know, um evolve on the fly, yeah. were really related to being courteous of other people's homes because yeah. they're essentially inviting you into, you know, not inside their house, but like into their little entryway or you know, you're at least sticking your hand in their bucket or whatever, and it it is like an uh, opportunity for them to experience like courtesy from both sides. Like someone is being courteous to you. So here's how you are courteous back to them and the fellow people that you're mobbing the sidewalk with. So I remember um, a big one for me was I did not like when my kids would crowd the porch. Mm -hmm. So that depends a lot on with like, you know, what the neighborhood composition is like. But here it's a lot of old neighborhoods with old houses with like small um, front stoops, mm-hmm. I guess you'd call them with like maybe four stairs up. Right. Uh-huh. So there's not a lot of room to navigate. It's different than if you were walking up to someone's open garage right. and they're sitting out or they're sitting on the driveway. Right. It's like you're, everyone's kind of crowded and there'd be kids who would kind of shove and push their way to the front. And then I'm always like, Oh my gosh, that toddler is going to get knocked right off right. the side. Or it's, it's really rude. Cause now someone's squashed between the open storm door and the, and the railing. Like, so there was just so many opportunities to just remind the kids, like, Everybody is doing this together. We have to make room for everybody. And yeah, don't run ahead of your friends. That's just not nice. Um, Okay. So this one's from Katie. She says, we eat dinner before trick-or-treating. No exceptions. Very smart. And then she says, if you are small enough to be in a stroller, but can walk, you walk up to the door unless you don't want to. And then you can stay back. Big kids walk. If they're done walking, we're done trick-or-treating. So we had a very similar one when my kids were like, you know, two. Yeah. They they didn't want to walk the whole neighborhood, and that would have been a lot for all mm-hmm. of us to expect that. But I wasn't going to carry them to the door. Correct. They could walk to the and
0: door, and they also couldn't get candy brought from a sibling. Like if you want the thing, right. you go get the thing. That's <laughs> you what go I get remember. The like, thing yes. you don't have to walk up there, but you're not going to get like no one's going to bring you candy. Like if you want the candy, you go and
1: knock. <laughs> you go, you do the thing, right? Um, Anna Lynn says kids who can't walk safely or who can't mind their manners, and by that I don't think she means can't. I think she means won't, yes. but. <laughs> You know I mean, all kids could at some point. Some just aren't in a place where they will. In that moment, uh, she, was impossible. In that moment, <laughs> right? Um, she says those kids get stuck in the wagon with the baby. That's a great disincentive.
0: I agree. And wagons—that—that that, uh, just the mention of a wagon reminded me that we had several wagoning uh, trick or treating, and I totally forgot about that. So a wagon is a great. Um, alternative to a stroller for trick or treating. There's a, you can put a bunch of extra stuff in there. And if you have like a young toddler, like an 18 month or two year old who maybe wants to be included, doesn't want to be in a stroller, it maybe can feel a little more inclusive. So I love that. Well, Renee, skipping to the other end of the age spectrum, Renee says, We welcome trick-or-treaters of all ages at our house. We also welcome trick-or-treaters of all costume levels. Some may look as if they are not even wearing them. I once was a young mom with young kids and was honestly upset that high school-aged teens were out trick-or-treating. Now, as a mom of some grown young adults, I now have a hindsight view of my past thought process and unfair biases in these areas. High school kids are kids, and if they want to trick or treat to relive a joyful holiday tradition with respectful behaviors, I'm all for it and even encourage it. Let the teens have fun, too. They're walking the line. I'm like literally getting emotional reading this, Megan. Mm-hmm. They're walking the line of kid adult every day at these ages. So let's let them kid for a day.
1: Thanks, Renee. Yeah, well, Renee, you, you know that we couldn't agree more. Um, I think it is very hard to... Remember this when your kids are so little. It's like the conversations we've had about being on the playground, yeah, with like your tiny, tiny toddler, and then all these normal-sized kids who look like absolute giants. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why? You don't consciously think this, but your mama brain is thinking like, why does the world have to be so scary Mm -hmm. for my little kid? And why can't like they kind of cater to my little kid who is living their little kidness? But like, big kids are kids, Mm -hmm. and um, that was, you know, I I wrote that thing, Sarah, that we. do we share that?
0: I don't think our- we've shared it in a long time. I mean, new listeners would not have seen that piece. It was a Washington Post essay from what's five or six years ago, Megan? At
1: least. Yeah. I feel like. So yeah. we'll dig it
0: up. We'll link it in the show notes. And it was you saying exactly what Renee is saying here, which is like teenage trick-or-treaters. You're welcome at my house.
1: Yeah. Yes. And and I think that the line I used um, was like, people get really upset about giving older kids candy. Um, and my point was even if they're not wearing a costume, like I don't love that they're not wearing a costume, but if they're just out there because they want to have fun and they're being respectful and following the rules and all that stuff, and they just couldn't bring themselves to put a costume on, or maybe like their parents didn't get them one for lots of reasons, maybe not having anything to do with the parents falling down on the job, but you know, maybe like the kid decided half an hour before trick or treating that they were going to suck it up and like, you know, suck up that Halloween spirit and go. My line was something like they're asking for a piece of candy, not a piece of my liver. Right. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it's not a huge sacrifice. It's yeah. really gonna be okay.
0: It is. And it is so true that when you've had bigger kids, you look at them differently. That you just there's yeah. no there's no other way to get to that point. Um, so I love that perspective, Renee.
1: Well, the next one um that we have. Is from moms after my own heart, which would include Lindsay, Kia, Brittany, Sherry, and Anna. Um, and the rule is always look neighbors in the eye and say thank you or some iteration of that. And that was one of the things. Like if I had to say the biggest rule I had around Halloween was like you say thank you, you say thank you. Yep. Did you say thank you? Did you say thank you? Did you say please? Like yes, it's it's such a, like again, it's such a good opportunity to learn manners and graciousness.
0: And um, the cool thing about it is it's really easy to practice in your house. So we did a lot of pretend trick-or-treating when my kids were preschoolers. First of all, they like it. They like carrying their candy bucket around the house. And I'm talking in the days or week or so before Halloween and and make them practice knocking on the door, trick-or-treat, thank you, happy Halloween. Like those were the three non-negotiables for my kids were trick-or-treat, thank you. And happy Halloween as you walked away. And they, they just were ingrained in it. Um, and so it's a very, uh, repeatable, it's not a complicated social grace. Like some social graces are, this is like a very transactional one. So even and, really, and it's very
1: robotic. it can become kind of robotic yeah. almost. You'll hear like tiny toddlers yeah. who can't even really speak yeah. saying like twick a tweet and they can't, they can hardly lisp the words out, yeah. but they, yes, they, they get candy and they say, thank you. And, and happy Halloween for that. Yep. So that's how you yeah. do it. Well, this last set of rules is all about the thing I think parents kind of have the biggest controversy around or like the most differing set of um ideals and norms, shall we say yeah. and that's around the candy the candy itself. so you've done all the work to get the candy. now, what happens to the candy? The kids get to eat it, Do they have to give it to the candy fairy or you know, sell it? what so Colleen says. Once you can't or don't want to carry your own candy, trick-or-treating is finished. I love that. Then that's been kind of repeated Mm -hmm. throughout. Like mom is not here to be your pack mule. You know, like (laughs) if you can eat it, you can carry it, right? Um, But then she says each kid gets one Ziploc sandwich bag with their name on it. They pick out the candy they want to keep until their bag is full. The Switch Witch comes that night and leaves fun books in place of the excess candy. So I like that there's like, um, I like that there's a, It reminds me of those, like when you go to like certain kinds of rummage sales where you can fill a bag with stuff for five bucks or whatever, like you get to choose what goes in there. And you might decide that like the relative value of a smaller piece of candy isn't worth it. And you'd rather have the bigger piece Mm -hmm. of candy or you might, it's such an interesting like, or give you such an interesting, like look into a kid's personality too, because some kids are going to go for pure quantity Mm -hmm. (laughs) and some are going to make more quality based or flavor-based yep. decisions. So, I like that it doesn't feel so all or nothing as like, you know, it all goes or you eat a couple pieces yeah. tonight and it all goes or you keep it all. It's like a very moderate middle ground. I also like that it gets rid of the candy nobody wants right
0: away because I will say yes. that's been an annoying part for me is that the, it's like they they hold on to the idea of maintaining possession over their Halloween candy for, I mean, let's be honest, weeks and months sometimes, but toward the end, it's all things that they don't, nobody really wants to eat anyway. It's just, they're attached to the idea of it. So by, you know, making them choose that small container and everything else goes away, it also eliminates like future, I don't know, battles over that candy that nobody really wants anyway. So I love that. Well,
1: and I will say that even if it's the candy, nobody, nobody, nobody wants, there's some sugar hound in your house who at some point, three months down the road will decide that they'll settle for that candy. And by this point, it's like old, stale, bad candy that nobody wants. And they'll eat it anyway. So you might as well just get rid of it. Because it's truly, it's like the very definition of empty sugar. Mm -hmm. Because not only is there no nutritious value, there's not even really any pleasure in it. It's like, yeah, they're they're just like candy junkies. And they're just eating it because it's there.
0: As Marie Kondo would say, you can thank it for its service. Like its role (laughs) was it made for a fun trick-or-treating night. It hasn't been wasted in that sense.
1: It made and then, the, ba- the bag heavier. Yes. And then just right? thank it for its
0: service and send it on its way. I love it. Well, Christy said candy trading is allowed and is one of my favorite things to watch as they negotiate trades. So with her multiple kids, but once a trade is made, it's final unless both parties ad- agree to trade back, which I'm having flashes of like no trade backs, which was very <laughs> much a like a Pokemon card trading thing. Yes. Like Trading becomes a really intense thing between the ages of like six and nine, I would say. Yeah. And younger kids are less capable Susse- of,
1: and they're susceptible <laughs> they are to pressure, to, to poor practices. Let's yes. Just yes. They, yes. Get, they
0: get bamboozled. So yeah, yeah. Good, good idea to have some trading parameters in your house so that youngers don't get taken advantage of and that you don't end up like I don't know, getting in the middle of a whole bunch of trade wars. So good thinking, Christy. And then Cammie says the fee for mom taking them trick or treating is one of their Butterfingers, which is her favorite. So I think a lot of our moms mm. probably have like the mom tax or yep, like they call it the mom tax. Yeah. Hand it over just to mom. Um, my kids are really cute. They really do. They know which is my favorite and which is Brian's favorite, and even which are like their grandparents' favorites. And almost without being prompted, they'll be like, Oh, Mormor loves Kit Kats. Like, I'm going to save this one for her. So it's very sweet um, to kind of build that in. And I feel like after a while, it has even just happened on its own. I don't even have to ask for the tax. They just work it over.
1: Um, And in my house, the mom tax now, it did start as a Halloween thing, but now it is basically anytime any kid has anything that looks good. Mom (laughs) just gets like, If I ask, I don't always ask, but. I am at any point allowed to exercise my right to the mom tax. And they don't complain at all. They're just like, okay. As you it's should. Just, you birthed yes, exactly. five very
0: large babies. <laughs> I, like, did, I did. Medicated. <laughs> all right. Well, we also got a bunch of rules about the exact amount of candy that kids can consume and when. So Sherry said, this might sound crazy, but over the last few years, we have decided not to manage how much candy our son, who is now 10, eats on Halloween night and the days following when it's gone, it's gone. I don't think that sounds crazy, Sherry. I no, think that's a very all. valid, um, a valid option. And I'm super glad that it works for you. And I think there are others out there for sure. I don't think it's crazy.
1: I don't think it's crazy either. And we had a very similar one um, where what would actually kind of end up happening is eventually, naturally, the food would, or the, the candy would get consolidated. Like, The kids would just have their own candy for days. And then somehow it would sort of all migrate into like a shared Mm -hmm. bowl situation. And then at some point I just throw it out. Yeah. So you're still kind of in control. You're just not coming up with a strict structure around that control. Um, Ashley says on Halloween night, you can eat as much candy as you wish. And then after that, it comes out one piece a day. That's another um, very popular and very reasonable strategy.
0: Yep. And Rachel similarly has a system, but it starts Halloween night. So her kids are allowed five pieces on Halloween night. A full-size candy bar counts as three. Oh, my gosh. How many times have I had a discussion with my children? Well, if I'm allowed three pieces, does this count as one or three because it's bigger? So she's got that all on lockdown. The next day, they pick out 21 pieces and are allowed three a day for the next week. Once they have their 21 picked out, the rest goes in the trash, or I send it with my husband when he goes to a friend's house. So Rachel has this like down to a science. Um, and I would, yeah. I'm very curious how many kids she has. I almost feel like the more kids you have, the more these like kind of these rules get locked into place just because you've been burned in the past by not having. Well, them. and
1: Rachel must also have a much better sense of her calendar at any given time than I do, because I feel like I'd lose track. By like about yeah, what day is it by about the fifth day? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. But if you're calendar oriented and can like and can actually keep that under control. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And then Katie
0: and Brittany both had similar rules. Kids eat as much Halloween candy as they want the night of. After that, they choose two pieces each day. So that's actually most similar to ours. Ours has roughly been eat as much as you want Halloween night. And then we have been three pieces a day until I get really grumpy and change the rules, which is like a week or so. I will also say I have added a twist, which is if they start asking about other desserts like, oh, mom, can we get ice cream Mm -hmm. at the store or can I make cookies? That's a sign to me that like, you are no longer enjoying this three pieces
1: of candy. The Halloween candy has, has run its course. And I'll make
0: them choose. I'll be like, sure, we can get ice cream. Like an ice cream Sunday night sounds really fun. So you must be done. We must be done with Halloween candy then. It's ready to go in the trash. Or if you're not, then I'm not going to buy or make or right. entertain other desserts. That is desserts. dessert. Yes. For as long <laughs> yep. as we'll ride that out. So
1: Yes. Well, Christy has a similar, not not similar exactly, but like along the lines of candy is dessert. Mm-hmm. Hello. Candy is dessert. She says um, after Halloween, Halloween candy is only allowed to be eaten after dinner time for dessert. If you eat your dinner, it's not allowed to be eaten any other time of day. So she's essentially saying, yes, this is dessert. Yep.
0: And Libby says, I use the candy rule that I grew up with that my own mom created. You can eat as much candy as you want the night of Halloween. And that's it. Nothing gets kept after that night. My mom still maintains that she threw away any remaining candy. But personally, I keep a hidden stash for mom for after bedtime. This completely eliminates the whining for candy all through November and fighting over when and how much everyone can have. I mean, I admire this Libby. It's very tempting to me, but I would worry that I would have at least one or maybe two of my three children would eat themselves like truly sick. Like
1: actually sick. Yes. (laughs) It feels like this is so personality based because if you have a kid who, you know, wakes up in the pile of vomit in the morning, like maybe not worth it. But if, if your kids have been able to self-regulate, yeah, then great. Yeah. Okay. So the last two uh, house rules related to candy are really about managing candy when a child has food allergies, which is like a whole nother subtopic, right? That I'm sure creates a lot of complication. Um, Emerald says we're a food allergy family. We wear gloves for trick or treating and all collected treats are immediately trick or traded with mom for safe treats and trinkets once we get home. And I think it's, that's a really good reminder that sometimes the thrill of the like the getting of the the treats is worth it in and of itself. Like the kids don't have to eat or consume the exact same stuff they collected and trading for whatever reason um, is very, very viable option.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that could work for allergy families, um, for kids who just don't manage sugar very well, or just have like, you know, where sugar causes some real behavior issues. I think that's super smart. And it sounds like Emerald has like really figured that out for them. So I love it. Um, Kia from our contributor team says, I always go through candy first allergy mom here. Plus my parents always did that to us growing up. Honestly, after the first two days, the candy hype has died down and I end up putting it away, AKA hiding it and finding it around the time it's time to bring out the Easter candy. So (laughs) I love that.
1: I love that too. Well, this has been really fun. Um, I want to give one more shout out for the mom, our small business boutique. If you're interested in possibly being included in that. Just go to the slash boutique.
0: Yeah, definitely check that out. We will put that link right in the show notes, which are also right wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. Thanks to everybody who put in your house rules. If you're not in our Facebook group and you're interested in joining, these are the types of really fun conversations we have there. We'll link that in the show notes as well. And happy Halloween, everybody. This was fun, Megan. Happy Halloween. Talk to you soon. Just
1: look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to the to find all the episodes.